Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash voices in my head. That's audibletrial.com slash voices in my head. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. That's audibletrial.com slash voices in my head. Give it a try today. Have you ever thought to yourself, man, I'd like to host my own podcast? Well, guess what? You can go to podbean.com slash voices and get everything you need to create, manage, and promote your podcast. I use Podbean every week for voices in my head. There's easy uploading and publishing tools, stunning templates, custom domains, social and promotional tools, an embeddable podcast player, monetization tools, and more. It is your all-in-one podcasting solution. With Podbean, you can create professional podcasts in minutes without any programming knowledge. Best of all, everything is mobile-ready right from the start. So go to podbean.com slash voices. And when you sign up, use the code VOICES and you'll get a sizable discount. Podbean, for your home podcasting. Thank you for listening to Voices in My Head. Welcome to Voices in My Head, the official podcast of me, Rick Lee James. I'm a recording artist, a singer, songwriter, an author, a worship leader, and an ordained minister in the Church of the Nazarene. The Voices in My Head podcast is your source for discussions on music, literature, movies, pop culture, theology, and more. Now sit back, relax, and listen to the latest episode of the Voices in My Head podcast. And don't forget to let the voices in your head be heard by following me on Twitter at Rick Lee James and sharing your thoughts about today's show. Welcome back to Voices in My Head. I am so glad you could be here with me again today. I am your host, Rick Lee James. Sorry, it's just me today, but guess what the topic is? Eugene Peterson blows up the world. Well, that might be a little bit dramatic, but you wouldn't know it from the reaction on the internet to an interview that was posted with him. Uh, Eugene Peterson is kind of leaving public life. He's 84 years old, and if you don't know who Eugene Peterson is, most of you are going to know him because he is the one that wrote the biblical paraphrase, The Message. And I want to explain to you real quick what a paraphrase is versus an actual translation. Uh, Make no mistake about it, Eugene Peterson is a master of the biblical languages. He knows Greek, he knows Hebrew, he knows how to translate them. And a paraphrase is something where he is trying to explain in English Um, what some of these words from Hebrew and Greek actually mean. If you've done any time doing word studies of Greek and Hebrew words, you'll see that there can sometimes be numerous meanings, numerous contexts for words even. And so you'll have a word like love, which has uh, numerous words in the Hebrew and Greek, but in English we just have the word love. And so you're forced to decide, do I just use the word love or do I try to expand on what the author is actually trying to say by using this particular word about love? Is this erotic love? Is this brotherly love? Is this agape love that's completely selfless? So that's just one example of what you might do in a paraphrase. You may not be giving a word-for-word translation, but you are using those um, original languages to try to bring out uh, literally a paraphrase of what it's saying, trying to help us better understand. So that's what the message is, and that's what Eugene Peterson, I would say, is known for. What he's 
not known for as much, unless you are someone who is into ministry of some sort, is that Eugene Peterson is one of the greatest voices. He's one of the greatest pastoral theologians, probably, that we have. Um, He has written a number of books. I've read many of them, and I love all of them dearly. They are some of my most treasured books in my library. Um, Just to name a couple of them that have really influenced me strongly, Along Obedience in the Same Direction, Excellent, excellent book for pastors to read. Even if you're not a pastor, it's very good. Um, and there's another book uh, that I, I really love, um, The Five Smooth Stones of Pastoral Ministry. Uh, there's a whole series of, of books in that uh, series. And, and so anyway, he's just meant a lot to me and has been a real encouragement to me and sort of a mentor from afar. Even people like friend of our show, uh, Walter Brueggemann, um, Brueggemann has quoted Peterson in many of his books and uh, actually refers um, to a book I'm reading by Peterson right now um, as as one of the best commentaries on David. And, uh, and he, he's just a masterful writer, Eugene Peterson. And so he's somebody that the church world has looked up to for a long time because of the message, but pastors look up to him because of his work in theology and in in really pastoral theology, just he's a voice to pastors because he has been a pastor for a long time. So he does this article, he's publishing his his final book, and I, I guess it's already out. I haven't got a copy of it yet. I hope to in the future, but the book is called As Kingfishers Catch Fire. And this book um, it's it, it unfortunately gets overshadowed in the article because of things that are said. Now, I thought what was going to be controversial was the headline, Eugene Peterson on Donald Trump and the State of American Christianity. This is an interview that Eugene Peterson did with Jonathan Merritt. And I thought, oh, great, Eugene Peterson's going to stir up the pot. But honestly, you guys know if you listen to this show, you know I'm not a Trump fan, and it's okay if you are, um, but we're just not going to see eye to eye on that. Um, We might have a severe disagreement about that, but I still love you as my brother in Christ. And so anyway, I was just interested to see what Eugene Peterson had to say about this. And so I thought that was going to be the controversial part, because for some reason the church in many corners of this nation loves Donald Trump. The church around the world think he's evil and don't want anything to do with him, but the church in America for some reason has decided power is more important than faithfulness to Jesus, and many of them are supporting Donald Trump. Um, and, and I hate that whole you know argument of, well, I guess you wanted Hillary. No, that wasn't the case either. I just don't think we had any good choices, but I think the kingdom of God is something far different than our American political system too. So anyway, getting into what Eugene Peterson said, you guys already know what I think, but um, he was asked this question, first of all, about Trump. He said, you mentioned earlier that these are difficult times. What do you think of what we're experiencing right now politically? What are your views of Donald Trump and the political mood animating our world? So this was Eugene Peterson's answer. I think we're in a bad situation. I really do. Donald Trump is the enemy as far as I'm concerned. He has no morals. He has no integrity. But I have good friends who think he's wonderful. But I think they put up with it less and less. People are getting pretty tired of him, I think. Some of us were tired of him before he was elected. I think we can put up with it, though. 
I don't think it's the end of the road. So he kind of ended on sort of a hopeful note. And in a week where even more controversy happened, I mean, every single week there's more controversy about President Trump and things that have happened. This week it was Donald Jr. And, oh yeah, I forgot. Yeah, I did have meetings with Russian people and all that. So I'm not going to get into all that here. But it was just interesting to hear his take on it. I thought that was going to be the part of the article that just blew up the church world and people would be, oh, I can't believe he would say that, whatever. Um, I guess that wasn't the controversy that was to come of the interview. <laughs> uh, because somewhere in the interview, it was in such a small part that I actually missed it. I didn't even realize it was in the interview um, because it was such a, a small section of it. I read it and I had to go back and reread it because I didn't even see it in the first place. Apparently the interviewer asked him a question about, um, it was a hypothetical question completely. He was asked in the interview, if you were pastoring today and a, cu a gay couple in your church who were Christians of good faith asked you to perform their same-sex wedding ceremony, is that something you would do? And Peterson responded with one word, yes. Now, that one word, yes, blew up the whole church road. I had people emailing me and, and you know, here's this article, and I, I don't know, I guess they were aghast that he would say such a thing. Um, it was, a, from what I understand, the whole interview was 30 minutes on the telephone. Um, I'm not sure if it was... Uh, understood correctly what what was being asked and it was a hypothetical question but for whatever reason within I don't know I think 24 hours of this article being released Eugene Peterson clarified and and actually issued a retraction and and came out and said some different things um, he, he said recently a reporter asked me whether my personal opinions about homosexuality and same-sex marriage have changed over the years I presume this was as, I was asked this question because of my former career as a pastor in the Presbyterian Church USA, which recently affirmed homosexuality and began allowing its clergy to perform same-sex weddings. Having retired from the pastorate more than 25 years ago, I acknowledged to the reporter that I haven't had a lot of experience with it. Uh, to clarify, I affirm a biblical view of marriage, one man to one woman, I affirm a biblical view of everything. And so that was his retraction. So it, it was just interesting. I don't know uh, what what this will do. I mean, Lifeway decided they were, you know, they were going to pull the message off the shelf and not sell it anymore, which is a whole other conversation, which ended up not happening once the retraction was, was uh, placed. And I don't really want to get into that part of it so much but but just to know that there was a lot of controversy around this issue and there always is when you talk about homosexuality it is very controversial and I don't talk about it today because I want to court controversy but I, I have written about it on my website I have uh, views that uh, are in line with the church while at the same time um, I think we could be much more gracious in our conversation and, and we could do a lot better job than we have in the past. And I thought with this sort of being the springboard with Eugene Peterson um, being uh, the person that he is and causing the ripple that it sort of had in the church this week, I was reminded that just a couple of weeks ago, my denomination, the Church of the Nazarene, had our General Assembly in Indianapolis, Indiana. 
And there was a resolution that was passed uh, on human sexuality. And the resolution was a complete rewrite of the Church of the Nazarene statement on sexuality. Um, It had a lot of good in it. It it does have a lot of good in it. And I'm going to share that statement with you today. Um, and And while it's probably not perfect, at least we are no longer talking about people who are not straight as being... Um, people who have sunk to a depth of perversion that has led them to homosexuality. I want to state right here that every gay person I know, I would not describe any of them as people who have sunk to a depth of perversion. Um, I have family members, I have friends, and they are dear, wonderful people to me. And so I think it was important that the church reassessed how it speaks Um, Because what we were saying in the way that our denomination had in the manual was, I mean, my fear was that it said, if you are not straight, you're not welcome here. And I know that's what it sounded like because it's it's been very damaging to people. Um, So what I wanted to share with you is the church's new statement. And by the way, this passed by 97%. Uh, It wasn't unanimous, but it was close. That almost never happens on issues like this. I believe our people were praying and seeking God on this matter, and they wanted to try to be as faithful as they could be. And realize that the Church of the Nazarene has been a pretty conservative church. And the Church of the Nazarene is very interesting to me because we are theologically liberal. There's a lot of room in, in our theology. And what I mean by that is um, we allow for, if you are a person who believes the earth was created in six days, literally, and then there was a rest on the seventh, we totally support your belief in that. You can be a literalist on it. If you're not a literalist on it, we don't say that you have to be. Uh, If you want to take a stance that's a little different and, and look at it more as poetry, which it is Hebrew poetry, and you want to come at it with that way of of looking at a a beautiful creation story almost in song, Uh, if you want to look at it in the more uh, Jewish understanding that it's a story of growing up, it's not a story of, you know, Adam and Eve being the fall, it's a story more of of them maturing as human beings when they get to that part of the story, and that the fall actually would come in more with Cain and Abel. Um, There's all sorts of, of interesting ways of translating scripture. And theologically, we are a broad denomination, and we have a lot of room for discussion, a lot of room for dialogue. I think in some ways, I think we are very, um, I, I, I think I can say this, very Jewish in some ways, in that we give a lot of breathing room in our theology for discussion and for helping us think imaginatively and theologically. And I think that's how the Bible works best, is when we can open ourselves to it, because it is the living Word, and we need to allow it to work on us and live in us and through us. So it's interesting to me that the Nazarene Church, um, being a somewhat theologically liberal denomination, is so socially conservative on so many issues. And there are some uh, social issues we could talk about today, but I specifically want to talk about this one just because of uh, clearly what we see through the Eugene Peterson controversy this week. And I want to share with you the stance. First, I'm going to read briefly from our old stance because it's it's to me offensive, and I, and I think it's been offensive to many people the way it's stated. Um, and, and, and this is the part, the way it used to say, it wasn't intended to be hateful, it wasn't intended to be offensive, but it sounds very offensive. So, so let, let me read the old way to you and, and tell you how we are sort of evolving as a denomination in our understanding of this. 
Um, this is what it used to say in our Church of the Nazarene manual up until this assembly. It said, homosexuality is one means by which human sexuality is perverted. We recognize the depth of perversion that leads to homosexual acts, but affirm the biblical position that such acts are sinful and subject to the wrath of God. You know, not a lot of love and grace in that statement, for sure. Um, So listen to this new statement, and it's pretty long, so I don't know that I'm going to read the whole thing. Maybe, Maybe I will. We'll see. Um, But this is the new statement that was voted on that we want to have as our statement on human sexuality. It covers a whole lot more. It covers singleness. Um, It covers uh, uh, the broad scope of human sexuality. And and I want to read this because sometimes we're just focused only on are you straight, are you gay, And, and that's the only thing we're looking at. Biblically, I think we're talking about a lot more, and I think our denomination has had a lot of wisdom, and and the different people like Scott Daniels and different ones that were on the committee um, to work on this this new statement for our church. Um, I think they did a wonderful job, and uh, and I don't mean to uh, not mention other people. I just don't know everybody who worked on it, but they did a wonderful job with it. Um, and could it be better? Yes, all things could be better, but it's a far cry from where it once was. Listen to the new statement for the Church of the Nazarene on human sexuality and marriage. The Church of the Nazarene views human sexuality as one expression of the holiness and beauty that God the Creator intended. Because all humans are, uh, all humans are beings created in the image of God, they are of inestimable value and worth. As a result, we believe that human sexuality is meant to include more than the sensual experience and is a gift of God designed to reflect the whole of our physical and relational createdness. As a holiness people, the Church of the Nazarene affirms that the human body matters to God. Christians are both called and enabled by the transforming and sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit to glorify God in and with our bodies. Our senses, our sexual appetites, our ability to experience pleasure, and our desire for connection to another are shaped out of the very character of God. Our bodies are good, very good. We affirm belief in a God whose creation is an act of love. Having experienced God as holy love, we understand the Trinity to be a unity of love among the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Therefore, we are made with a yearning for connection with others at the core of our being. That yearning is ultimately fulfilled as we live in covenanted relationship with God, the creation, and loving one's neighbor as oneself. Our creation as social beings is both good and beautiful. We reflect the image of God in our capacity to relate and our desire to do so. The people of God are formed as one in Christ, a rich community of love and grace. Within this community, believers are called to live as faithful members of the body of Christ. Singleness among the people of God is to be valued and sustained by the rich fellowship of the church and the communion of the saints. To live as a single person is to engage as Jesus did in the intimacy of communion surrounded by friends, welcoming and being welcomed to tables and expressing faithful witness. 
by the way, I'm not reading right now. Um, that's wonderful because when I was a single person, I felt so out of place at times in our church. And I felt like if you weren't married, you weren't complete and weren't fulfilled in some way. And I think it's wonderful that our church made this statement on singleness as an affirmation as well. Continuing with the church's statement, I'm going to start reading again. Also within this community, we affirm that some believers are called to be married. As defined in Genesis, a man leaves his father and mother and clings to his wife and they become one flesh. The marriage covenant, a reflection of the covenant between God and the people of God, is one of exclusive sexual fidelity, unselfish service, and social witness. A woman and a man publicly devote themselves to one another as a witness to the way God loves. Marital intimacy is intended to reflect the union of Christ and the church, a mystery of grace. It is also God's intention that in this sacramental union, the man and woman may experience the joy and pleasure of sexual intimacy, and from this act of intimate love, new life may enter the world and into a covenantal community of care. The Christ-centered home ought to serve as a primary location for spiritual formation. The church is to take great care in the formation of marriage through premarital counseling and teaching that denotes the sacredness of marriage. The scriptural story, however, also includes the sad chapter of the fracturing of human desire in the fall, resulting in behaviors that elevate self-sovereignty, damage and objectify the other, and darken the path of human desire. As fallen beings, we have experienced this evil on every level, personal and corporate. The principalities and powers of a fallen world have saturated us with lies about our sexuality. Our desires have been twisted by sin, and we are turned inward on ourselves. We have also contributed to the fracturing of the creation by our willful choice to violate the love of God and live on our own terms apart from God. I, I want to stop again real quick, too, and just say, by the way, at this point in the statement, we aren't talking about homosexuals. We aren't talking about just straight people. We're talking about all of us, that all of us are broken in our lives, in our sexuality in some area, because, uh, you know, we see things rampant like pornography in the world. And so at this point, we are talking about the brokenness that occurs and the wholeness that God uh, longs to give us in a, in, in a completeness relationship. So let me, let me continue on with the reading here. Our brokenness in the areas of sexuality takes many forms, some due to our own choosing and some brought into our lives via a broken world. However, God's grace is sufficient in our weaknesses, enough to bring conviction, transformation, and sanctification in our lives. Therefore, in order to resist adding to the brokenness of sin and to be able to witness the beauty and uniqueness of God's holy purposes for our bodies, we believe members of the body of Christ, enabled by the Spirit, can and should refrain from unmarried sexual intercourse and other forms of inappropriate sexual bonding. Because we believe that it is God's intention for our sexuality to be lived out in the covenant of union between one man and one woman, we believe that these practices often lead to the objectification of the other in a relationship. In all its forms, it also potentially harms our ability to enter into the beauty of holiness of Christian marriage with our whole selves. Sexual activity between people of the same sex, because we believe that it is God's intention for our sexuality to be lived out in the covenantal union between one woman and one man, 
we believe the practice of same-sex sexual intimacy is contrary to God's will for human sexuality. While a person's homosexual or bisexual attraction may have complex and differing origins, and the implication of this call to sexual purity is costly, we believe that the grace of God is sufficient for such a calling. We recognize the shared responsibility of the body of Christ to be a welcoming, forgiving, and loving community where hospitality, encouragement, transformation, and accountability are available to all extramarital sexual relations because we believe this behavior is a violation of the vows that we made before God and within the body of Christ. Adultery is a selfish act, a family-destroying choice, and an offense to the God who has loved us purely and devotedly. Divorce, because marriage is intended to be a lifelong commitment. The fracturing of the covenant of marriage, whether initiated personally or by the choice of a spouse, falls short of God's best intentions. The church must take care in preserving the marriage bond where wise and possible and offering counsel and grace to those wounded by divorce. Practices such as polygamy or polyandry, because we believe that the covenantal faithfulness of God is reflected in the monogamous commitment of husband and wife, these practices take away from the unique and exclusive fidelity intended in marriage. Um, and it goes on for a bit longer, uh, and, and it would take me a while to, to keep reading. Um, so if you'd like to look it up, uh, you can go to ga2017.com, and you can find a lot of it there that goes into it. Um, because it goes into it and it continues to talk about objectification, things like pornography, um, and and the way that um, it is desire gone awry, and sexual violence and things like that that we do not affirm. Um, we don't affirm objectification, we don't affirm rape, we don't affirm sexual assault, we don't affirm sexual bullying, hateful speech, marital abuse, incest, sex trafficking, forced marriage, uh, genital mutilation, on and on. So there's a lot about that um, that I, I'm, I'm just not going to take the time to read it right now. You can look it up if you would like. But one thing I like about this, well, I don't know. I don't know if it goes far enough. I don't know if it goes too far. I'm I'm still wanting to sort that out with the church and with the denomination. But this was huge that we took a step forward to addressing this with hospitality and love and care. Um, now, at least when I talk to my homosexual family members and friends, I can at least say to them, you know, whether this is a statement that goes far enough or doesn't go far enough or whatever you think of it, um, I am in the same category as you now in this, in my brokenness with you. Uh, I am a person who has been divorced, and it spells out in here that divorce um, is something that, you know, we're, we're not supportive of divorce either. It's part of our brokenness. Um, and yet the fracturing of marriages sometimes happen. And the church had to help me through that time. And I don't know what it would have done without my church. It puts people like me on the same level. People who are single in the same place. People who are, um, you know, uh, who are, are trapped in certain addictions, sexual addictions and things. It puts us on a level where we can come to the church and be welcomed in. And that every person together can come and find Christ in this place. Um, I think the difference in tone that we are a welcoming 
community, that we are a hospitable community, and that you are welcome here. We don't say to people who are struggling with pornography, you're not welcome here until uh, you get free from it. We actually welcome you in because you are a human being and we know that you need Jesus deeply. And we know that many of our people go home, they want to be set free from pornography, and yet sometimes they still fail. We still welcome them back. It's not to excuse the behavior. Um, And we know that many of our people have been caught in the sin of adultery, that it has affected their family and their lives. And we do not condone it by any means, but we realize that those people also need Jesus. And so we want to welcome them back with hospitality in a way that can be welcoming and forgiving and loving and transforming and offer accountability. And so we put things like that on on the same level. So people like me and people like them, there is no us or them anymore in some very real sense. There is a real welcome there. And I think that was one of our biggest problems. There was this dividing line of us, them, when we talk about sexuality. And what we can talk about now is our common creation together as good people created in the image of God, our common brokenness, and our common need to be redeemed in Christ. And so uh, if you want to read more about that, I would encourage you to go to ga2017.com and read more about this. Um, The resolution uh, on human sexuality, it's under ca Dash seven zero one. It's kind of hard to find if you're looking for it. So if you want to read more about that, uh, so I would love to know your thoughts on the matter. You know, whether it be Eugene Peterson or the things that you just heard that my denomination has been trying to take steps on. Um, these are big things. Churches are slow to change, and by the way, I believe that churches should be slow to change. One of the worst things we can do is make huge, drastic changes without thinking them through. And in time, our thinking does change the the way that we are. We can see throughout church history that our our thinking has changed. We have most of us come to see um, that many of the choices uh, that the church has made over time have actually many of them not been the right choices. They haven't been the godly choices on many things. Um, we've seen the way that uh, different sins affect our lives and different things that the church has even done at times have been sinful. And so we're not saying the church is a perfect place. We are saying the church is a place that offers grace and a place that offers welcome to all of us who have failed, to all of us who are in need, and to all of us who need to come to the table together. Um, and so I'm I'm proud of our denomination for moving forward on this. It's hard to move a denomination of so many people. I think there was something like 20,000 Nazarenes at this General Assembly convention. If you get 10 Nazarenes in a room, 5 Nazarenes, maybe even 3, it's hard to get them to agree on anything. The fact that we had a 97% yes vote on accepting this and just changing our thinking a bit, turning the sails a bit, uh, to open ourselves up to people of of every walk of life, um, that's an amazing thing, and that we we want to reach out with the grace of God to everyone that comes through our doors. 
So I'd love to know what you think. Um, how did you react this week to the Eugene Peterson article? How did you react to hearing this about the Church of the Nazarene? What are your thoughts on the matter? I'd, I'd love to hear, and you can reach me as always, Twitter at Rick Lee James, or you can go on Facebook.com slash Rick Lee James, or you can reach me by email, rick at rickleejames.com. That's about it for this week. I wanted to address Eugene Peterson and and... Eugene Peterson blows up the world. I may actually call the podcast that um, for this week. Uh, but I hope you've enjoyed our time together. I have a music video I'm filming this weekend. I I, I would covet your prayers on that. We are going to be um, we're going to be doing all we can to draw attention to the refugee crisis around the world for the poor, poor people of Syria, the millions of them that have been displaced as a result of violence and persecution and trying to find ways that those of us uh, can help in the United States. And it's getting harder and harder because of what the current administration is doing to keep refugees out of our country. But um, we uh, we want to persist in being the body of Christ around the world. And so this music video we're going to be filming, I would covet your prayers um, because we need to be the people of Christ and we need to be a fearless people of God who will go out into the world. Fear is not from the Father. That's from the opposite of the Father. All right, well, that's it for this week. I do have some exciting announcements come up pertaining to the next album and pertaining to some music, and I have some uh, ragamuffin news. I'll leave it at that for right now. I'm not ready to share the full news, uh, but it's pretty cool stuff going on. Uh, Drop me a line. Let me know uh, what you thought of today's show, and uh, I'll talk to you guys soon. Thank you for listening to Voices in My Head. May the Lord be with you all. For you, the listeners of Voices in My Head, the official podcast of Rick Lee James, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Personally, I recommend The Hobbit Unabridged by J.R.R. Tolkien. Hours of fun listening to this great classic. And there are over 180,000 titles for you to choose from and to listen to on your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. All you have to do is go to audibletrial.com slash voicesinmyhead. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash voicesinmyhead for your free audiobook. You're going to be glad you did. Thank you for listening to Voices in My Head, and keep on listening. Thank you for joining me here this week on the Voices in My Head podcast. I hope you'll visit me on my website at rickleyjames.com, follow me on Twitter at rickleyjames, like my artist page on Facebook at facebook.com slash rickleyjames, and keep up to date on what I'm writing at my author page on amazon.com. Make sure to follow my calendar on the website, and if you would like to have me come to your town to do a concert, a speaking engagement, or a book event, you can book me through my website by clicking on the link for Pair Booking Agency. That's P-A-R-E Booking. And finally, it would mean the world to me if you were to leave me a review of this podcast on iTunes. The more positive reviews that we receive, the more visible this podcast is on the internet. And now the benediction. May the God of peace, who raised Christ from the dead, strengthen your inner being for every good work. And may the blessing of God Almighty, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, rest upon you and dwell within you this day and forevermore. Amen.